afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. You know, they say that we all teach what we most need to learn. So as we talk today, please know that I'll be teaching, but I'll also be learning. And this thing about finding happiness in a world in which there's also much suffering is a conundrum that has been around since the beginning of time. So any quote-unquote answers that we come up with have to be experimented with for a while before we can come to any conclusions. Once an experiment with a new idea gets started, if we're really trying to research it, then we may have to revise our thinking as we begin to get results. So a few years back, we all heard about the law of attraction, and we all jumped on board with both feet and began to try to implement these laws in our lives. And now, a few years later, we have some results in from our experiments, and these results indicate that we might need to start revising our understanding of the law of attraction just a bit. That's what this show is about. But there's three things we need to know right from the outset. This show does not intend to debunk the law of attraction, but to revise it. This show does not have the quote-unquote answers for you, but it will perhaps offer you some wisdom that you can explore on your own and determine if you think that this wisdom works for you. All information that we have about anything might be best seen as information with which we should experiment, not information with which we should attach ourselves without question. What I mean by this is that all too often we hear some new theory or some new idea, and it, because it offers us such hope and because so many times we feel such desperation, we're ready to just plug into it with everything we've got without question. That is blind faith. And uh, very often, as we all know from our experiences in life, blind faith gets us whacked up against some wall somewhere. Now, that said, let me start with the basic premise of belief. I believe that the law of attraction works, but it's not the only law in the universe. That's an important thing for us to understand. And the other thing is that all of these laws work all of the time, 24-7, nonstop. That means they don't stop working when we fall asleep, when we are not thinking. That means that we, they have to work based on something other than thought. We've all been taught that the law of attraction works based on how we think. And so many of us have been saying affirmations, creating vision boards, and working the work of the law of attraction based strictly on the idea that we should change our thinking. As a matter of fact, there are several books out there are, are, and other um, Internet sites, etc., that are called Change Your Thinking. The problem is that now a precedent has been set, and that precedent is this. Those things seem to be working for some people, but not for others. So what's happened as we've begun to understand that is that those for whom it is working are telling those for whom it is not working that they're not doing it right. And if they would only do it right, they'd get better results. But anecdotally, I hear from these people, and their reports to me are that they are doing exactly as prescribed, but they're still not getting the desired results. And as I've worked with these people to try to help them figure out what the problem is, I've discovered something. And here's what I've discovered. The law of attraction does not work because of positive thoughts and affirmations. I'm going to say that again. 
The law of attraction does not work because of positive thoughts and affirmations. What I've discovered is that attraction is not based on thoughts, but on identity, about which I'll say a whole lot more in just a moment. Not only that, however, but there are several other laws that are operating simultaneous to the law of attraction that we need to understand in order to get into the flow of these energies. So what this means is that the law of attraction is still working. It works all the time. But A, it's not based on our thinking. And B, there are many other laws operative at the same time that the law of attraction is working. The law of attraction is not the only law at work. That would be a little bit like saying everything that happens on planet Earth is a result of gravity. Well, it's not. So we can't say that the law of attraction is the only thing that's working. So, okay, let me, let me tell you a story. Um, this is a composite fictional story, a composite of several different stories I've heard over the time that I've been uh, talking to people about the law of attraction. So here's the story. There was a man, let's call him Joe, and Joe was really desirous of finding a, a partner. He wanted uh, certain characteristics in a wife, and he made himself a list. And he uh, prayed over the list, and he made himself a vision board, and he, and he looked, put pictures up of the kind of wife that he wanted. And um, he attracted a couple of different people, but wasn't real pleased with a couple of them, and then finally attracted somebody that he was uh, very interested in. And they got together, and they stayed together for a, a, a while, and then he started learning that this person that he was attracted to was nothing at all like what he had on his vision board. As a matter of fact, this woman had been lying to him about all manner of things, even as to who she was, as to her past, as to her financial situation, et cetera, et cetera. And he felt very devastated and... Uh, came for help, and again, this is a composite, fictional character, but came for help, and because he was like, felt like that he'd been betrayed by the universe. He put all his faith into the law of attraction, but mm, didn't happen right, didn't come, turn out right. Now, there would be some who would say, well, that poor man Joe's story is all about Joe wasn't really thinking right. If Joe had really thought right, he would not have attracted this person who had so betrayed him, and so, and, and so he felt so betrayed by the universe. Um, but I disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. You know, when we ask the questions about why our thoughts don't work, we have to conclude some things. First of those is that thought is a limited part of our humanity. It only covers a certain portion of what um, we do every day. We have biology. We have thinking, we have feeling, we have uh, um, emotions, we have um, unconscious material, and we have uh, pre-conscious material. We, we, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that we have that perhaps we don't even have names for as yet. So it's a little bit like if we say that only thoughts attract, it's a little bit like saying that these little blue digits on my computer that should be telling me something else about my computer are not really there. See, I have these keys on my computer that are, have little blue letters, a one and a two, you know, numbers, and then they also have a, a little moon signal and a battery signal and a lock signal and a DCP and, you know, all kinds of things like that. But I don't know what they mean, and I don't know how to access them. 
because I use my computer for a certain number of things, and I don't need those other things, it, at least as of yet. I haven't needed them, and so I don't need to know what they mean, so I don't pay much attention to them. But they're there, and they carry me to a whole other level. In fact, if I talk to someone about a virus in my computer and I watch as they work through to try to get the virus out of my computer, I find an amazing, enormous amount of stuff in my computer that I never knew was there. And that's kind of the way it is with our thoughts. Our thoughts only cover a certain small area of what actually goes on within our humanity. So if we say that our thoughts are the only things that attract our reality, then we're limiting our reality to a small portion of what we will accept in terms of our humanity. So it's hard for me to buy the idea that thoughts alone can create this. Well, the argument then is, well, uh, well, our thoughts really seep down into the other layers of our, our, our personhood, and they change who we are on some incremental level. Well, maybe, and maybe not. Because there's such a thing as repression, sometimes when we're trying to think really, really positive affirmations, what's really happening is we're rep- repressing a lot of material that we need to think about and, and notice. It's a little bit like telling a young teenage boy not to think about sex. I'm sorry, guys, but, you know, you, you're, you're a ready example here. That If you tell a teenage boy not to think about sex, first thing he's going to do is think about sex. And if you, if you say to him, well, he should not have certain thoughts, then you're, you're basically asking him to repress those thoughts. Um, many years ago, uh, many years ago now, I was a very fundamentalist Christian, believe it or not, and um, my I heard that stuff about, you know, you should watch what you're thinking, you should be careful about your thoughts, because even your thoughts can make you sin. If you lust in your heart, you know, the rest of the story there. So... Uh, you know, what I tried to do was control my thoughts. And what I knew everybody else was doing was they were trying to control their thoughts and ended up, as I began to grow into my truest spirituality, I learned that I had been repressing a lot of stuff. And um, it doesn't mean I had a lot of, you know, evil in me. It doesn't mean anybody has a lot of evil in them. It only means that any time you tell yourself to think only certain things, that means you're not letting yourself think other things, which means that you are probably repressing some material in there. Uh, first of all, not every thought that we have has, has any kind of impact on us whatsoever. I might uh, think about flying right this minute, but that doesn't mean I'm going to take off out the window. So uh, some of our thoughts are just sort of rambling through an imaginary world, and we kind of uh, imagine things, and there's another level of thinking that we aren't, aware of that's sort of like a river running underneath everything we think. And I think that's the world we tap into when we dream at night. We shut off the conscious thoughts and we tap into that next level at which we are always thinking something else. And so there's a lot going on in the human mind. And for us to say only the thoughts attract is to minimize what we can actually accomplish through the law of attraction. So we're going to talk some more about this in just a few minutes. Come back. If you're having trouble with the law of attraction, stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. 
I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, a school built to help you fulfill your dreams, to help yourself and your world. So we've been talking about the law of attraction today, and what we're doing is um, considering the possibility of revising our interpretation of the law of attraction based on some precedents that has been set um, nationally and internationally with regard to how this works. I see, as I said, every new idea as experimental. And if we assume that somebody has come up with one idea that, is to end, that will um, end all suffering and give us all bliss and happiness forever, then we are probably not being very realistic about that. So 
uh, I think uh, the think and rethink is, is always the best option when it comes to new ideas. So, okay, or and old ideas, by the way, <laughs> traditional ideas as well as new ideas. So let me say that, too. So what we've said thus far is that thoughts are a small portion of our brains, our minds, our, our humanity, and repression is part of what happens when we tell ourselves to think only one thing. So what are we repressing? We're repressing the opposite of those thoughts. We're repressing... If I have an affirmation that says uh, I am uh, wealthy and, um, well, let's just stop there, I am wealthy, um, then, then what that means is that I'm also possibly repressing some notions of myself that have to do with being poor or not wealthy. And um, so some would say, well, that's a good thing. You should repress those thoughts. But I would say whatever is repressed is going to come back out later. And how it comes back out later could be, through attracting some of that stuff we're repressing. So, okay, so we've said there's limitations, thoughts are limited and uh, in their impact, and repression is one of the tools of affirmation, okay? The other thing is that we don't often know what we want. It's very difficult for us sometimes to determine what we want, and the reason for this is because we don't know why it is we want what we want. In other words, if I say that I want wealth, but it's really because I believe that wealth will make my self-esteem improve, then what's really happening there is that I really want self-esteem, but I think it that I want wealth. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying is that we're, it's difficult for us to sort through the variant uh, compartmentalized parts of ourselves to find out what we really want and why we really want it. Very often I've taught workshops where I ask the people in the audience, you know, if I could give you anything in the world that you want right now, what would it be? And I see hundreds of hands shoot up and they say, oh, yeah, I want to win the sweepstakes. Well, I go, okay, let's say that you just won $15 million in the sweepstakes, okay? What are you going to do with that? And they all have this list about what they're going to do. They're going to go out and buy uh, certain kinds of things that they want for themselves and they're going to pay off their debts and they're going to get children out of trouble and they're going to whatever, whatever. And then I say, okay, now you've done all that. What have you got? And what they say is peace of mind. And what I say is, well, then what you really want is peace of mind. The money was just how you imagine getting there. You see, we have, and, and I would refer you guys back to a, 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 another show I did not long ago called Money, Money, Money. Um, we, we have this illusion in our world that um, the methodology for how we get what we want is always money. And that's because we have uh, so thoroughly acculturated this idea that, uh, I mean, assimilated this idea that, that we have been acculturated to believe uh, that, uh, that money is, going, is the only way to get anything. If you don't have money, then you can't get anything. That's how we think. Um, there's lots of ways to get things, though, including by gift. You know, sometimes people just give us stuff. Now, that doesn't always happen. We are granted, and, and I, don't th- I don't have any notion that things are going to just fall out of the sky into our laps either. That's pretty unrealistic as well. But, but we, are, we, we often get very confused about what it is we want, and we're bargaining with an essential. So I want to have a good relationship but I happen to be in a very bad relationship, then what, what am I going to do with that? I might bargain with it, and I might say, well, if um, I can just get this person to do X, Y, and Z, then I'll have a good relationship. See, there's an if and a then that makes it a bargain. 
And and so what I'm saying is I, I can't quite move to acceptance. You know, we've talked about this before. Bargaining is a stage of acceptance. Um, the stages are the same as the stages of grief, denial, anger, sorrow, or depression, depending on how you handle the rest of the stages. Bargaining, and then finally acceptance. And so uh, bargaining is one we can get stuck in because it offers us hope. And we can we can delude ourselves with all kinds of things. Well, if I can just... Um, keep this job that I really hate for long enough, then I I will um, get vested and I'll have this money and then I will be okay. And that's a bargain. And the, what we're doing is I really want to be okay, secure, financially secure, so I'm going to do this thing that betrays me to have it. So we, we're bargaining with a method that is ultimately supposed to give us something we want, which is financial security. The question I would have is then what is it about financial security that is so important to you? What does that give you? And ultimately what you might end up saying is peace of mind. And ultimately what I would say is then peace of mind is what you're looking for, and there's lots of ways of getting that. We don't have to go through the method. So very often we get the method mixed up with what we really want. So it's important to do some inner research about what we really want in order for us to be able to attract it, Okay. So those are those are three things we've talked about now. The, the th- that thoughts themselves are very limited in their uh, their scope, with regard to the totality of our humanity. And the other thing is that when we are um, affirming something, we are also very often repressing something else. And then the third thing is that we very often don't know what we want, and that is because we get the method of getting it mixed up with the actual thing we want. So okay. Now, let's talk about identity, because all of these things we've been talking about are included in the scope of identity. Identity is who I visualize, hear, taste, smell, think, walk, talk, act like I am. It becomes a person. It becomes a, a, an actual being, even though it might not be who I really am. But it carries with it a, a truckload of emotions and a truckload of thoughts and a truckload of behaviors and uh, nuances and similitudes and differences and all of those things. It carries those things with it at, in almost a caricature fashion. So if my identity is, let me just think of one out of the sky, um, my identity is su- uh, Superman, let's say. I'm a, I'm a Superman. So what does that mean? It means I got to get everything done yesterday. That means I constantly am ahead of the game. That means that I'm, I'm, I'm way more busy and more um, capable-seeming than other people that I know, and that I often attract people who are not so capable so that I can take care of them so that I can continue to prove to myself that I am Superman. Okay, that's an identity, and I've only just begun to... Uh, uh, describe it on the surface. There's so much more to that identity that has to do with emotions, anxieties, how I put my feet on the floor, how I carry my body, how my skin is, how my cells are. My identity has a huge impact on everything that I am. So, so, but it's not who I really am, but I might attract things out of that identity. I might attract relationships, I might attract finances, I might attract jobs, I might attract, I mean, I've even heard people say, well, the reason I have this job is because I'm such a good superman or superwoman. Um, No, that might not be right. It could be that you have that job because you put on superman 
or superwoman in order to develop financial security, and this particular job might be how you develop financial security, and then financial security might not even be the bottom line of what you want. The bottom line might be peace of mind, but this is how you think you're getting it. In the meantime, while you're striving after peace of mind, you're creating enormous amounts of anxiety. So you see how that identity might really keep you from getting the very thing you say you want, uh, or the very thing you want, even though you might not know to say it. Let me put it that way. Um, So your identity is not only your vision of yourself, but it's the role you play, it's the emotions you feel, the thoughts you think that all come from come from your identity. So when we let's go back to the limitation of thoughts. When we're talking about um, thoughts attracting uh, things from the world, things and people and relationships and money, etc., from the world, what we're saying is that that small portion of my identity is the only thing that can attract. And what I'm saying is, no, all of the identity attracts. Everything about your identity attracts. So the law of attraction it doesn't work just with thoughts. It works because of identity. It works because of who you think you are. Who you think you are is everything. It's everything. And so not just who you think you are, but who you act like, who you walk like, who you talk like, who you breathe like, who you stand like, who you, what your posture is like, that it matches that identity. All of it and more that I can't even put words to. So... That is, it's major to understand that we don't just attract based on a small portion of who we are. We attract based on who we are pretending to be. And that is very often based on stuff that happened way long time ago when we were children. I've talked about this before, but I'm going to say it again. When we were two months old, most of us were staring at our fists. And we were saying, oh, this fist belongs to me. It's mine. And then just a little while later, we were able to reach out and grab something with that fist as our muscle skills improved. And we picked some, a rattle up, say, for example. We picked up a rattle and we stuck it in our mouths and we said, oh, the rattle is me too. And then we spent the next 10 years trying to determine what was me and what was not me. And we're still in that process. What is me and what is not me? So when I'm a little child, I'm very, very vulnerable to the influences of my environment because I want to know who I am in this incarnation. If I've incarnated into a life, well, who am I this time? But what I'm doing is asking the external world to give me a mirror of that. And um, I can't, I don't get accurate mirrors from my environment. I can only get an accurate mirror from inside of myself. But because we've been born into this environment, we're looking to it to tell us who we are. And so sometimes we get real inaccurate information. And we're going to talk about that some more right after the break. Remember, identity is what attracts with regard to the law of attraction. Tune back in in just a few minutes. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. Ah! 
There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back, and if you just tuned in, what we're talking about today is a revision of our interpretation of the law of attraction. What we've said thus far is that our thoughts alone cannot be what attracts to things and people and circumstances to us. Um, we also said that the law of attraction is not the only law that's working, and we're going to talk about that some more in just a minute. But uh, our thoughts alone are not um, the only things that are working. Uh, and we also said that if we are affirming one thing, then we are very likely repressing something else. So if we're trying to make ourselves think certain ways, then we may be repressing material that's going to come back later. Um, We often don't know what we want, and the reason is because we very often get the method mixed up with what we actually do want, and that's buried down under the method. Um, And finally, we said that identity was the bigger attractor. It's not just our thoughts. It's our identity, and our identity includes the whole summation of who we think we are, who we 
imagine ourselves to be, who we act like, talk like, quack like, you know, fly like, the whole thing. So, okay, if identity is what uh, the issue is and is the, the full attracting force, that means that our emotions attract, our thoughts attract, our behavior attracts, our body language attracts, our cells attract, our biology attracts, the whole thing, all of who we are attracts. Now, I would say that our biology is probably more authentic. And I would say that the authentic self is also an attracting force. The problem is that the authentic self is often the smaller, uh, it takes up the smaller space in our psyches because we have pushed it away for so many years. And so it is the identity that is attracting, not the authentic self. Now, if the authentic self were to attract, we would have the things that are truest, we truly desire at the deepest level of ourselves because I see the authentic self as the soul. It is uh, the soul in, on planet Earth. So it is not that etheric thing we think of as a soul that's out there in the ethers. It is, also, it is the soul embodied. So our biology would be more authentic, and the authentic self is also more authentic. But again, it takes up the lesser space so many times. So I would say that the people who are able to make the uh, law of attraction work for them probably are truly more authentic. They are more in tune with who they really are, and so what they attract is actually coming from their truest desires. So I would say that the, the way for us to be able to attract using the law of attraction would not be to try to think better and end up repressing a lot of stuff that's going to come back up later and probably as an attraction, but also to really get in touch with who we are. And that's an effort. That does take some work. And, um, and we've talked about that in the past. And, of course, my book is out there, Restoring My Soul, Workbook for Finding and Living the Authentic Self. That is a workbook that can help you get there, but that's not the only way. I'm not here to sell my book. What I'm going to tell you is that you can find the authentic self by doing some inner work that just really puts you in touch with your deepest desires, that puts you in touch with the things you don't like, that puts you in touch with your anger and your sorrow and your uh, the, uh, the, the, your bargains your griefs, your everything, whatever's going on inside you, you can become mindfully aware of that and automatically you have stepped back a minute into the authentic self every time you become aware of the totality of who you are, not just some segment of who you are. So every time we split off to just be in our thoughts, we have compartmentalized all the rest of it and we are already about the business of attracting something different than perhaps what our thoughts are putting out there. So, okay, what is this thing about seeking? What are we here to seek? Um, We've got lots of old sacred texts that tell us a lot about that. I'm going to read you some of the passages that I found when I did some research on this. Um, Some of it's from the Bible. Some of it's from other sacred texts. This one is, is from Luke 12, verses 30 through 32. It says, And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying, for all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your Father knows that you need these things. Seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you His kingdom. Now, if, you, if you've studied the New Testament at all, you know that where the kingdom is, is within you. So, uh, that kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know what heaven means to you. I have certain ideas of what it means to me. But that is within you. So, if that's true, then that is what we're instructed to seek. Not 
the goods of the world, but that, and I'm going to mention some more about what the goods of the world mean with regard to that in just a minute, so hang with me. Another one, um, this is from a, uh, a, a book called Fragments of Faith Forgotten by G.R.S. Mead. It was written in the 1900s, and it's a bunch of sayings uh, or log- logoi of the Lord that were left out of the canonical Bible. Well, here's one, one of those. Seek for the great mysteries, and the little shall be added to you. Seek for the heavenly, and the earthly shall be added to you. So again, we're hearing, you will have all these other things from the earth, but first, you have to find the kingdom within you, okay? From the Bhagavad Gita, uh, chapter 15, 4, Thereafter, one must seek that place from which, having gone, one never returns, and there surrender to that supreme personality of Godhead, from whom everything began and from whom everything has extended since time immemorial. Buddha said, The seeker is that which is being sought. First Chronicles 16.11 and Psalms 105.4, which are uh, celebrated by the Jewish faith, say, Seek the Lord and the strength he gives. Seek his presence continually. Okay, so what we've seen here is that from various faiths, we're all being told the same thing. That we are that our seeking should not be striving after gaining the things of this world, but seek first what is within us, the peace that is within us, and then those other things of the world will be added to us. So that is how to operate the law of attraction: to seek the 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 soul, the heaven, the the authentic self within us. I think those are some um, words that are synonyms: the soul, the heaven, the self. Those are synonyms to me. They may not be to you, and you might need to rethink think about that and decide what you believe that means. But what I'm saying is that if we were to revise the law of attraction based on the precedent that has been set, it would have to mean more than just what we think. And it would have to mean more than sitting around trying to come up with a thought that we can press into our consciousness and push ourselves to believe. All the while we're doing that, we're ended up repressing other stuff. So... Okay, now that, that, that's an important part of it. When, if I seek what is within me, what I'm ultimately going to find is my peace. So now let's say I have my peace. What does this mean? That means that I am able to live in peace right now. So then whatever I am in is okay with me because I'm in peace. That's A. But B, peace attracts peace. An identity attracts what the identity Attracts. So if my identity is founded and grounded in peace, then I'm going to attract more peace. If my identity is founded and grounded in joy, then I'm going to attract more joy. So we've, we've gotten this kind of turned around. I think when, when, uh, when we first started coming up with the idea of the law of attraction, I think the intent was really good. I think what we wanted to do was speak to people's souls and remind people's souls that they could have what they wanted. And I think that's a beautiful intention, and I agree with that intention completely. However, I think when we started talking about it, we started talking to people's egos, and it got convoluted based on ego. So I've literally had people come to see me or, or write to me or talk to me on the phone who said to me, you know, what I want is a million dollars. And once I get the million dollars, then I'll be okay. My belief is that that's exactly backwards. 
that we have to be okay first, and then the million dollars might be something we decide we still want. But we don't even know what we want if we don't know who we are. So if I'm not in touch with who I am, then how, I'm go- I'm a- how am I going to attract what that I am wants? So we're talking today about seeking, uh, seeking ourselves. As Buddha said it so succinctly, I really, that's one of my favorite sayings. If you go on my Facebook or my, uh, uh, any of my other sites, you'll see that saying is on there. The seeker is that which is being sought. We are seeking ourselves more than we're seeking anything else on the planet. We are seeking ourselves. We want to find that deep inner place within us that is who we are. When we were infants, we were looking for that place. We were looking to find out who we were, but we were surrounded by people who, uh, and things and circumstances that, were, um, that we saw as definition, and so we became that. Uh, so if a child grows up, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, if a child grows up in a home where, let's say, the parents can't admit that they were wrong about anything, they just really have an aversion to admitting they're wrong, and they repress everything that smacks of being wrong. And so if anybody ever blames them for something, they become quite defensive and just push that away and throw up a bunch of smoke and mirrors, and they're just not wrong. They're never wrong. It's not going to happen ever. What's going to happen with that child? Well, very often what that means is that wrongness, the belief in wrongness, is floating around in the air, sort of, if you want to think of it that way. And this child, being a very sensitive uh, 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 sponge looking for information about itself, is going to slurp that stuff up and say, okay, I'm wrong. I'm the wrong. So that child might grow up identifying with all the things that are bad, so to speak, quote-unquote bad, and act those things out. And then that kid's just seen as just this really rotten kid. Nobody likes him, and, and he's mean to everybody because that's, that's who he, how he defines himself. So what's happened there is the child is identified with garbage that the parents didn't even know that they were sending out there. Why didn't they know they were sending it out there? Because they were thinking of themselves as good people who couldn't be wrong. Now, <laughs> we think that, that that, you know, how we think of ourselves is is everything, but you see there that the thought of who they are was not at all the whole story. The whole story got thrown off onto somebody else, and we're going to talk about that throwing off uh, again after the break. But for right now, what, what I really want to communicate is there has to be more to the law of attraction than just our thoughts. What we're, what we're thinking cannot be the sum total of what we're attracting. It cannot be. It does not make any sense to me. Now, you may decide that I'm wrong and argue with me, and that's fine, but I'm just putting an idea out there that perhaps we need to experiment with. So we'll be back right after the break. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, AIHT. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. 
You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, (laughs) no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, we're back for the final segment of our show today and what we've been talking about as a revision in our understanding of the Law of Attraction what we've concluded so far, and this is and all these conclusions are up for experimentation, because I don't, as I said at the beginning of the show, I don't have the answer, and I'm learning as I teach. Um, but I do think that uh, we can explore other ideas than the ones that have been uh, perpetrated so far. 
the idea has been that if we think certain thoughts, we will attract new energies. And what I'm suggesting, it is not our thoughts that bring us to uh, what we want or bring the things that we want to us. In fact, it is our identity, and that's based partly on the fact that thoughts only cover a small portion of who we are, um, the fact that we very often don't know what it is that we really want, and that we often get the method mixed up with the outcome, um, and that uh, we have been guided to seek outwardly. We've been guided to seek what we want in the world. And yes, while I believe that this world is very, very important, and while I'm here, I should absolutely have manifesting, I should be manifesting in the external world what, what it is that I truly want. But the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to be what I truly want, not to try to have what I truly want, but to be what I truly want. And that's where identity comes into place. So uh, what I'm doing is offering a revision of the law of attraction that would say something like this. If I become who I am, who I truly, authentically am, if I become my soul embodied, then I will have my truest desires. And that is exactly what we learned a little while ago when we were quoting passages from the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita and the fragments of faith and the, the Buddha and uh, portions of the Old Testament that are celebrated by those of the Jewish faith. So uh, we're being told to seek that which is within us, and the rest will come to us. So that's, that's where the magnet comes in. I am the magnet. I will attract my I am in the world. If I think only my thoughts are the magnet, then I'm only going to attract a small portion of what I want, and the rest is going to be all the stuff that I'm not noticing inside of me, and I will attract that as well. So that's why the law of attraction, in my theory, doesn't work. The other thing is that, as I said at the, at the beginning, uh, everything that happens is not a result of the law of attraction because there are other laws that are operative as well. One of those is the law of projection. We also have the ability to project onto other people, places, and things, things about ourselves that we don't want to know. And that could be good stuff or it could be bad stuff. I mean, I've seen people project out onto other people that they love them unconditionally, but they, so, so if I'm a kid, I mean, I see this a lot working with kids. If I'm a kid and I just love my grandmother because she loves me unconditionally, or so I think, and um, then, then what's happening is I'm letting her love me unconditionally because I can't do it for myself. I don't love me unconditionally, but she does. And so I give her the power to do that. Well, when I'm talking to grandmother later, I find out that grandmother might not necessarily love the kid unconditionally, but the kid has projected his own self-love onto the grandmother and given her power to give him back that love that he gave, that he uh, wants, wants to have for himself. So that's one way projection works. Um, it can work at a, a collective level. My theory about Hitler is that, um, that um, he took on a projection from the masses, the German people who were already quite angry because of the Treaty of Versailles. Um, he took on that angry energy, not only, not only that, but he had some of his own as well, and he was also a person who was pretty uh, diagnosable with regard to mental illness. And um, so he took on their projection, and then he had to take that massive energy that he took on and give it to another mass of people. And that's why we saw such genocide. Now, that's my theory about Hitler. I can't explain everything that's gone on with regard to history or what goes on today in Darfur or some of the other places where genocide has occurred. But what I am saying is this, that 
projection can work on a collective basis as well. I think it worked uh, back a couple of centuries ago when, when African Americans were enslaved. Uh, we projected onto them uh, not only our need for servants, but also all, all of our own self-loathing and all of our own uh, lack of self-esteem, and they carried that for us. Now, that doesn't mean none of us had self-esteem, lack of self-esteem anymore, but it does mean we put the darkest part of that on them and we beat them up for having it. Uh, after we gave it to them. Now, how does that work? I believe it works as a literal energy shift so that if I project onto somebody else something about myself that I don't want to know, if some part of them is open to receiving that, they will actually take on that projection and actually identify with it so that they could become, they could take on an identity that is something I projected onto them, just like I explained a little while ago about a child who grows up in a home with parents who can't admit they're wrong about anything. So, you know, if a, if a pattern is repeated again and again and again uh, with a child, then that child is eventually going to believe that that's who they are. And that is often what happens when we live in a household with other people is the same. We get the same energy over and over and over and over and over again until finally we bow before it and we accept it and we, and we identify with it. So identity can be given to us by other people. And we can accept that identity on an unconscious level. So there's a lot more going on uh, with regard to what's happening inside of us and outside of us than just the law of attraction. So if we say only the law of attraction is working, then we have people questioning, well, why did I have that automobile accident? Did I attract that to myself? Well, actually, Freud was one of the first people who thought of that, believe it or not. Freud was one of the people who said that we, we are constantly bringing things to us based on all of our unconscious material. And, um, but uh, that runs into question when you have to consider things like poverty and um, um, automobile accidents and airplane crashes and things like that. Well, what's really going on there? Did we really attract that? Well, I say there's more than just the law of attraction operating at any given moment. So we have to include that in the spectrum of what we understand of the law of attraction as well. What we've done today is we've kind of processed this again, and I hope I've given you some new thoughts to think about. Um, Tune in again next week. We're going to be talking about how to uh, know whether or not a guru has gone bad. So tune in then. And until then, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.